The Small Queendom Podcast, episode 18. Hi, friend. Today, I've got something a little different for you. I hope it feels like you have a chair pulled up so you can lean into this conversation with us. This episode is with my friend, Betsy Balcon. Betsy is from Racine, Wisconsin, where she lives with her husband, Dustin, and their two really cool kids, Bear and Scout, and they live right on the shores of Lake Michigan. Betsy is one of the most interesting people I know. She's engaging, refreshingly honest, and super easy to talk to. She's a total wordsmith. And by that, I mean, she's able to say or write out exactly what most people are thinking, but never can quite communicate. And she is a lover of natural and simple things. She has a killer design aesthetic and just recently became the proud owner of a sailboat. Oh, and did I mention that she and her hubby met at summer camp, grew up in love with each other, got married, and then hiked the entire Appalachian Trail. But we don't even talk about these things. Instead, we dive into some more important stuff, like what it's like to release the need to judge people and to let go of the need to correct them, how to define and work the happy muscle for a more grateful, enjoyable life, and what it's like to do the hard, deep work and still live with a sense of wonder. Believe it or not, Betsy and I chatted for over three hours. Some of it was straight up silly, irrelevant for the podcast, and some of it was deeply personal. It was the kind of chat that makes new pathways in your soul, the kind that helps you sigh a little deeper since you got something off your chest and have someone new in your corner. Believe it or not, Betsy and I don't know each other that well. We simply have a lot of mutual friends, and that kind of makes us friends by proxy. And if you remember back to episode two, when Spring Step was on my podcast, Betsy is Spring's sister-in-law. You know, that's what my podcast is about. It's about having real people with real thoughts and ideas, having real conversations. There are some true nuggets within the next few minutes of this podcast. So I hope that whether you find yourself in a season of loneliness with your circle of friends or perhaps it feels like there's nothing new to talk about, or you feel like maybe you're stuck in the hamster wheel of routine, I want you to know that today you're in good company of friends, and you're welcome here, and I hope that we give you something new to talk about and to think about. So let's get to Betsy. Crazy. Okay, I've already had two cups of coffee this morning. Do you do coffee? Yeah, I had a cup of coffee. It was pretty small and inconsequential. I always like to ask people, what what do you put in your coffee? So the last thing I Amazon primed is collagen peptides, but it's flavored with coconut. And it's still vital proteins, but it's kind of a one-stop shop. So... I get out my bullet, I pour my coffee in, I add a pad of 
pasture butter, a you know, a spoon of coconut oil, a teaspoon or a tablespoon or whatever of collagen peptides, a little squidge of maple syrup, and then usually some kind of coconut or almond cream blended up. But it's so mm. step oriented. Mm-hmm. When I was at convention, my roomie had this and it's everything in one plus then you add butter. And oh. it is so good. And it's frothier, but it's just like more MCTs and um, peptides. And then you don't have to mess with the other, like all the little steps. It has a hint of sweetness to it, but not really. There's nothing in it that makes it like super sweet. It's just, it's legit. Well, coconut has an essence of sweetness. Yes. Is that a new product? Because I love vital proteins and I've never seen that. It's brand new. Of course, I found it at Whole Foods, which we refer to as Whole Paycheck. And <laughs> I bought it. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> so Amazon Prime that. But of course, we're never going to find it around here forever. So yeah, it's new. Oh, that! Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. Whole Paycheck. I'm totally. <laughs> that's a, I know. That's a shout out to Jacqueline Camine. We were roomies at convention too. And she was like, oh, you went to Whole Paycheck. And I was like. <laughs> Pretty much, if you don't eat this food, we're not going to be friends anymore because I gave them all my pennies. So, oh wow. Oh my gosh. Speaking of things like that, this is my burning question for you, Leah. Okay. Are we still consuming fermented cinnamon cod liver oil from our refrigerators? Or have we read enough articles to completely say, that was like voodoo and it's that also going to kill us. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get emails about this one. That uh-huh. ship for me has sailed. Okay. 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 Uh, it's not because I don't think it's a great product. I think it's because it's not shelf stable enough. Right. Like if it was infused with oils or like honey or something, you know, like some kind of natural preservative, like I probably would, but like that was the big issue, right? That it was okay. just, we were consuming rancid yeah, that it was rancid, that we thought we were living longer, but we were actually dying sooner. Yes, because it was oxidizing ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just tell you, I had my whole freaking family eating fish off a spoon every morning. And then they would say, that tastes like fish. And I'd be like, no, it's cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> and then this, then this article starts floating around and I'm going back to all my healthiest friends. Like, are we doing this? Are we, are we like abandoning this practice? I still have it in my refrigerator, Leah, because I paid so much money for it. Oh yeah. Did you pay like $70 for it? Yeah. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. I got rid of mine. I think Norday only swallowed it one time. And then I think maybe Adam did once as well, but it was just me. So, okay. Not that big of a deal. We were all doing it. I would take it out at breakfast and people were like down the hatch. Cause I was like, this is the secret of life. I found it. <laughs> this is the fountain of youth. Yes. Okay. So this is a great little topic. So how do we, as like crunchy ladies, like how do we sift through like what's a craze and what's legit? Because I think a lot of people look at crunchy stuff and say like, oh, you know, that's not uh-huh. for real. That's a fad. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're asking me, I personally feel like it's all legit, especially mm-hmm. if it's ancient. There are very few things, be it enema, neti pot, <laughs> fasting, like bone broth. None of it is new. It's mm-hmm. all 
old as the hills. Mm-hmm. So the new stuff is the, you know, the quote, most trusted, reliable stuff. I mean, they release things into onto the market that people start to consume without a lot of studies and testing all the time. And then people have adverse reactions and say like, oh yeah, that was actually only in the trial phase for a smidge. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you know, this is all so brand new. So to me, I feel like the crunchy ship, I'm personally so grateful that it seems to be a trendy thing. It seems to be a lot cooler to slow down and take care of yourself and to ask if there's pesticides on your strawberry than (laughs) not. And so, I mean, I think both of us probably really remember so clearly that feeling of just being like the only one. Oh my gosh. For a long time. And then all of a sudden there's like this slow shift, you know, I felt like I almost had to be undercover an undercover crunchy person because there was so much stigma around like, Oh, you're snobby or you're elitist. You're elitist. You're judgmental. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't care what you eat. I just care about what I eat. Yeah, me too. I'm not trying to, I felt, I felt for so long when I went to the grocery store, like so down because I just felt like I was swimming upstream and Mm -hmm. telling that to a few people and being met with just like, just don't worry about it. You know, kind of like that. Don't let yourself get under that kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, when you know better, you have to do better. Yes. And then when there's not access, you just feel so frustrated. And I remember as a child sitting at my mama and papa Owen's table, the butter had a flower stamp on top of it because Kyle down the street made it. Oh, wow. And he stamped it. And so our butter literally came from a valley between two mountains as a crow flies was less than a mile. How dreamy, right? And that was just normal. That was so normal. They weren't trying to be earthy or crunchy or hippie. They were just living their normal life. And so I think it it got all squeezed into a narrow chute of we're going to process and overpackage and overhandle everything. And now the looser, the more farm to table, you know, but somehow it's like turning into the the cool thing the cool kids want. But I hope it stays that way. I, I hope it stays the hipster way to go, you know. I think it – I really do think it will because, you know, if you think about like fad diets and trends, it is like a big pendulum, you know. But I really do feel like there are some deep roots with farm to table and it's only spreading because I think that the millennials have done a really good job at bringing about – like artisan is wanted. Yes. Don't you think? I do. They've done a really good job at saying like, I want to know who made this. Whether it's their wallets or their lipstick or their bath Uh, bombs or now their breakfast. Yeah. It's so true. It's, it's great. I mean, it, at the heart of it, it takes you back to things that matter really quickly. Like Mm -hmm. how are people getting paid? How are people making a wage? Mm-hmm. How are people being treated? And when you pay for something, what are you not paying for? Mm-hmm. Like, What are the shortcuts that you're not paying for that you should be? So we are 
our really good friends have a farm and they have a herd share program in Virginia because in Virginia, you can't have raw milk unless Mm -hmm. you are part of a herd share, which means you own a portion of the cow. And since you are part owner, then you receive products from the cow. Um, Okay. And so that's how Virginia, you know, lines it up. And a lot of states do this. Tennessee, you actually can uh, purchase raw milk. It just has a label that calls it pet food. Funny enough, because maybe <laughs> someone gives it to their pigs. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so crazy. Our, our friends have um, a farm and we are business partners with them in a micro dairy and they only have a handful of cows. And so they are really, they're pushing back against, you know, big milk, big dairy. And it is amazing what I've learned at how, you know, these big corporations like, you know, Wally World or big grocery store chains, how they have dominated the dairy industry. And they have really, like, you either have to be huge or you have to be micro. Like, they are Mm -hmm. swallowing up and killing the middle, the medium-sized farmers. And and I'm just, like, my eyes have really been opened to, like, how much we do need to be consuming and supporting the small scale farmers because what they're doing is cleaner. I mean, generally you need to ask questions. People need to ask questions. Like just because someone grows it on their land doesn't mean it's safe. They could be throwing Roundup on it too. You know, sure. I like those cows could be eating GMO corn as well. Mm -hmm. But um, in general, your odds are better to have a cleaner, safer, way more nutritious product. Yeah. Yes. So my eyes I, it open. seems like the food, the whole food industry, the thing that is so scary is it just feels like there's this veil. Mm-hmm. And when you decide to, to be brave enough and peek behind the veil, we don't want to see that. And mm-hmm. when I watch documentaries about food, I mean, I honestly can't do it anymore. I can't either. I feel it. I can't. People are like, have you seen this one? Have you seen that one? And I'm like, I'm so glad those are out. I'm glad people are watching them. Mm-hmm. I probably already believe 90% of the stuff in that documentary, but emotionally, I can't look behind that veil anymore. I can't either. Make you crazy. But we did. We did that. Yeah. You know, I think it's really important to do that until you, you know, have a good start on that journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's good for you to realize like, oh, maybe farmed fish isn't a good idea, mm-hmm. you know, and why you think that. Now, let me yes. ask you, I know you were giving up sugar for a while. Is that still a thing? That's still a thing. That was definitely not a documentary, but a book, super old school books, Sugar Blues by mm-hmm. William Duffy. And it's the history of sugar. It's what happens when you introduce sugar into civilizations that previously didn't have it. And, um, you know, not just diabetes, it's like teeth and the way our teeth grow into our head and childbirth and whether it's difficult or easy, like amazing consequences from refined sugar. And Dustin and I read that book on a road trip. We got through like the first quarter of it and he said, I'm done. I'm not doing this. We were actually on our way to Big Stone Gap for, um, it was when, uh, Spring's dad broke his leg. Oh, and okay. We headed there. It was like, oh, it was awful. So, but it was the best trip. We stopped eating sugar on that trip in the heart of comfort food. Central. Wow. And 
like overnight, Dustin was like, I had no pain in my knees. And I was like, I didn't even know you had pain in your knees in the first place. He was like, I don't really think I did either. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> but that was actually more recent. And probably my journey with uh, no sugar started well over a decade ago. I mean, I remember being in college writing no, you know, starting Monday, no white flour, no white <laughs> sugar, <laughs> right? All the things. And so I feel like you have to be so gentle with yourself because it is seriously one baby step to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you have some kind of health crisis that causes you to be super radical, which people have that too. But mm-hmm. yeah, we don't have white sugar in our house. We sweeten things with honey or maple syrup. Same. Yeah, we don't have dessert. Um, that's a huge cultural, you know, shift in me because in the South you have dessert after every meal. Practically. I mean, you've got banana, you know, pudding and pies oh. and cakes and all the cookies from Walmart and absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing is really ever finished until you've had dessert. And that like that was slow. I used to make healthy desserts and now I'm like, yeah, we're not just we're just not doing that mm-hmm. anymore, you know. So I have a tremendous amount of faith that people can do that. They can actually think to themselves, I can't remember the last time I bought a bag of white sugar by saying goodbye to some of those, you know, the practices that you're just so used to. So you start with a thing that has the most and you figure out a substitute. And then you figure out, is that substitute going to, is that going to cut it? Or can I let that substitute go? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's how I like did it over time. But honestly, took over a decade. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, and I, I, that's how I do it as well. Like just what you said, like, I'm not going to totally deprive myself of something, but I am going to choose something that's better. Mm-hmm. And then when that better thing feels automatic, then I'll reevaluate some more. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, I also feel like the best thing you can do is crowd it out. If you can crowd out the crappy stuff, with good stuff, you don't have a whole lot of space left. Mm-hmm. So the more you can put collagen in your coffee and coconut oil, and you still have to have a splash of that creamer that you just can't let go of, start doing something good at least. I mean, for me, starting with coffee was a huge one because to me, coffee is like the gateway to your day. And if what you put in your coffee is sugar and cream, when's the last time you had a cup of coffee with sugar and cream? It's been a while. Holy (laughs) heaven. That is what is going to sit there on the table. (laughs) Yes. But I'm telling you though, all my friends that are doing keto and they're like extra heavy whipping cream. I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, my body doesn't like that much dairy, especially first thing in the morning. So no, no, Mm -mm. Mm, that's good. I feel Mm. like now I can't even enjoy, I can hardly enjoy a, an, a bought coffee, which is actually great for our budget. Oh yeah. I mean, we will still, you know, go to a nice coffee shop and they do have like almond milk, but nothing is like what we can make at home. I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy when that starts to happen, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I just want to mention too, you know, the idea of like, oh my gosh, you know, I, we actually don't do desserts really that much either. It's really only if we're going out and it's like a treat, you know, we live 15 minutes from Blackbird Bakery, which is one of the best bakeries in Virginia. I don't doubt it. Yeah. And it is such a treat. So that we definitely partake in that treat, but it's nice to know that because we're not consuming on a regular basis, 
Like it is a treat for us. You can just like give yourself to that donut. And I don't feel guilty. I don't. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's a huge, like, in my opinion, that's like at the closer to the like top of your food journey is when you can enjoy food without the economy of it. Like there's nothing worse than sitting down with somebody and they start to dissect why everything is bad. And I used to be that person. Yes. You got to go through that phase, right? Mm-hmm. If you feel like you need to educate your whole world, I'm over that. If you want to eat that, honey, you do you. What about that part of your journey when you get so solid in how you believe, whether it's food or yeah. fill in the blank, that you're so solid in like you do you and you stop feeling judgmental towards that other person. Yeah. Do you remember that shift? I mean, I remember that shift for food. I remember that shift for politics. Yes. Like I I am in that shift for religion. I'm there. Like I, I hope I stay here forever because I feel like there's so much freedom when you kind of resolve inside I'm not here to change other people's minds. Mm-hmm. That is tremendously relieving to me. Mm-hmm. And the irony of it is usually that out of your own existence and your own reality, you're going you're gonna to do that. You know, you're going to change other people just like they're going to change us. I think that's the point. But when you don't have to feel so like the crusader for justice in every area. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to go through that in order to get to wherever it is that you're going to land. You know, I think that maybe, maybe some people can sidestep it, but I haven't been able to, even with like an example would be cloth diapering. That was a monster for me to learn because it's not intuitive. It's not our cultural norm, you know, to wash poop out of a diaper and reuse it. And so figuring out childcare or a road trip or whatever, life in general with cloth diapers, it was like so a lot, a big learning curve. Right. Mm -hmm. And then going through it, I felt like I had to guard it because it wasn't normal. I had to make sure that I didn't just let my cloth diapers sit on the shelf because it was so easy to grab a disposable diaper. Mm -hmm. And then I fell in love with it. And then I told everybody, you're killing the planet. You're killing your wallet. (laughs) You're lazy. (laughs) You need to stay home and wash poop diapers. It's the secret to life. (laughs) And they're beautiful. So, and one of the only known causes of endometriosis can be traced back to the garbage that we pack into these strange little scientifically bulletproof bundles that will hold more water than a milk jug. You know, Girl, so I did weird. not know that. Oh, sister. Well, I'm really Don't glad I clocked Edward Norday. <laughs> Peter, I know. so much. He's yeah. not honest. <laughs> but there's even been a shift there because now it's cool to use unbleached seventh generation honest whatever mm-hmm. disposable diaper you know diapers are changing everything's changing our tampons will change our mm-hmm. pads will change you know anyway i just got on my soapbox about it as if like this is the most important thing and then when i realized like oh it's it is a thing it's not the most important thing but now I'm going to relax into it. And if somebody has on a disposable diaper, it doesn't even like register mm-hmm. on my like judgment meter, you know? So it's good. I, mean, I feel like if I looked at any kind of deeply rooted belief about anything about the way I feel about 
how music affects the soul, how I feel about being kind to people, how I feel about being an entrepreneur, just like, or how I feel about living the healthy life. I feel like my, my biggest principles that I hold on to, they were learned by, by just like watching someone that I admired. It wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. anything that came out of their mouth. You know, I'm just like, I like that. Like, Oh, I leaned in. Let me listen yes. a little bit better. You know, like I just, I just think that verse all the time in the Bible that says, you know, our kindness leads us to repentance and repentance is just like a turning from, so you can put that anywhere. Like, you know, being kind to someone is going yeah. to lead to a change for the better. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's, you know, encouraging a new mama or, you know, getting, navigating through fake news, I just yes. feel like we all need to be kind. I know. I know. Why is that so hard and yet so universal? So hard to hang on to. The stuff that people write on the internet right now, they would never say in person. But Adam and I are like, well, maybe they would. And then people have actually haven't had that conversation with them. Right. And so the <laughs> we think that the internet is kind of like money. You know how like people talk about um they like to say that people with money, you know, they're like bad. They must have done something bad to earn their money. We're like, no, like money only, there are good people with money. There are bad people with money. Money only magnifies the person. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're, if you're poor and noble, you're going to be rich and noble. If you're like, if you're, you know, a horrible person and you're poor, you're going to be a horrible person with money. Yeah. And so we think that the internet is like that. <laughs> <laughs> So if, if you're a nice person with no internet and you're lazy boy, you're going to be persnickety when somebody puts that phone in your hand. Yeah. Yes. I think that, <laughs> I think that one of the best things I ever heard, I mean, I still go back to this day and watch it, was Louis C.K. talking about the phone. I mean, Louis is kind of ironic. I feel like there's been, the veil has been like pulled back on so many people. We're kind of, uh, yeah. So, but he talks about, he talks about your phone and how you can't be lonely and how the effects of putting a phone in your hand and always writing and how when you talk to somebody on the internet, you're just like full of emotion and you're just, you're typing it all out. What you don't have is you don't have that feeling back that makes you feel gross when someone hurts. Mm. You know, you don't like when you're bullying somebody in person, there's that healthy internal, like I didn't like the way it felt when I, when I saw that person's face screw up and she started to cry, that felt bad. I don't want to be that kind of person. These are lessons you usually learn like in pre-K, right? You Absolutely. Know, when that is missing, when you're not sitting across the table, even those like strange cultural things, like, you know, when people say, I hate small talk. I think it's usually, you don't like that dance that you have to do mm-hmm. of who's the most powerful person in this room? Who in the room thinks that they have the most to say? Who's going to say something that I'm nervous that I don't want them to say because I don't want us to talk about that thing? You know, mm. Who wants to corner me and tell me about something I'm not interested in and I don't want to listen? Like These are all the unspoken rules of our social norms, right? And then totally. they help us be kind. They yes. help us like stay, stay and be whatever you want to say. At least you're not going to 
lose your mind at a party. You're not going to make your guests feel uncomfortable, but we will go there on the internet and feel somehow redeemed or justified. Like, Oh, I'm so glad I got that out there. And yeah, I mean, I've definitely done this. I feel like it's interesting when you start to talk about things that are important, you, I mean, you have to constantly temper yourself Mm -hmm. because it can be so, it can be the opposite. It can be very repelling. So I think that's really good insight when I'm, you know, in the song and dance of small talk and I'm just kind of looking at the person, I'm very intuitive and, and I'm also very much a feeler, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm feeling the situation out or even if I'm on, on the internet, one of my favorite questions to ask is like, what is this person really trying to say? Uh. Because I don't feel like people, most people are not great communicators. And so when they're trying to tell their point, they're not really saying their point very well, usually. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for the most part, I like, I, I always try to think like, okay, what's the next layer behind this? You know, like, what are they actually trying to say? I think on the other side of that, the problem with typing things is that you can almost refine your point so well. Mm. And that's not realistic because when you're in a conversation with somebody, you give a little bit and you take a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, I'll give you that. But what about this? And mm-hmm. so it's more of like a tango. Mm-hmm. versus like throwing darts across the room at each other. Yeah, that's And a good so, point. yeah, I, sometimes I get like, I think what I will say is for all of the drama and all of the controversy of what we're talking about, this like new weird way of relating to each other online in forums and threads, I have learned so much. Mm. Just by being a voyeur. Like I have read threads about every topic, every controversial, hot button, political, religious, eternal, universal question that people want to talk about. I have read threads from each side of the fence. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful for that. I feel Mm -hmm. like there's almost no excuse anymore for ignorance because Google is right there. And you can learn so much. And if you don't understand the way the other side of the fence thinks, go follow some people who think the way that they do that are opposite from you. So it's such a great education. So for all of my like belly aching about, I agree with you, people would never say that stuff in real person, real life at a Christmas party. (laughs) You know, you had them in your living room. I feel so grateful when people are brave and can articulate something that needs to be said. And I've learned, I've learned more from that than, I don't know, like than a lot of things in the past. Hey, it's Leah. Listen, I didn't want another episode to go by without mentioning a product that I'm truly loving. And it's the Blue Tansy Deodorant by Primally Pure. You all know how much I love Blue Tansy Essential Oil. And Primally Pure has actually infused several of their products with this precious gem. There are only two brands of deodorant I feel comfortable using and sharing about, and this is one of them. Adam even uses their charcoal deodorant and is pretty pleased. They're super kind and align with what I believe about purity and natural quality products. I'm really grateful to be able to offer you, the Small Queendom Podcast listeners, a 10% off code for your entire purchase. Simply type in the code SQ10 for Small Queendom at checkout. That's SQ10 for 10% off your entire purchase from PrimallyPure.com. All right, let's get back to Betsy. 
All right. So Betsy, one thing I wanted us to talk about is a while back, I don't know when it was, probably in the summer, you did this great post on Instagram and you articulated something that I had been kind of wrestling with in my own mind. And I like to refer to it as the happy muscle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think I just want to talk about that. So can I pull up the post and can you just like read it and then we can talk about it a little bit? If you're not happy now, you won't be happy then. This sentence comes to me as steadily and strong as the tornado sirens that test every Saturday around here. It's this weird, eerie rising that will cause the hair on your neck to stand up. And then you look at the clock to make sure it's four and this is test day. Do you ever catch yourself right in the middle of where you once wanted to be and realize you're still defaulting to unhappiness? Like you finally moved in, but now you need money to fix it up. Or your baby is here, but now you just need alone time. Or the sun is finally shining, but it's hot. It's like if we don't put up the gutter guards, that ball rolls right into the same this is hard because script, and it feels normal to hang out there. To me, there's almost nothing as dangerous as a constant yearning for a thing because it creates the illusion that happiness is always just over the next horizon. And then perfect moments threaten to pass and leave us wishing. Our yard is tiny. Our dog is aging. We didn't hit our numbers for the month of June like we wanted to. And just like that, the hair stands up and the message starts to rise. If you don't have it now, you won't have it then. Happiness, as fleeting and unpredictable as a popsicle. So when you hit the numbers, get a new thing or two. Go to new places. Accomplish goals too scary to even admit. There's no built-in code for arrival. The happy muscle is so weak and floppy, it feels impossible to start flexing it now. Do you know what I mean? There's a knowing, almost a warning, like that of benign tornado test that comes to me when I'm too wishy or reeling from Instagram rot. Betsy, my girl, there is no there there when you get there if you can't see it in the right ear. Chills, girl. Chills. (laughs) Thanks, Leah. Happiness (laughs) as fleeting as a popsicle. (laughs) That describes it perfectly. Yeah. Like, well, I'm interested in the, um, you know, the things that usually hit you the hardest are the ones that are already in you. And then someone just kind of touched it. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is your experience with this? I think exactly what you said. You know, I'm thinking of myself at 15 and I'm thinking of when, you know, we had no money. I literally got new clothes from a hand-me-down bag that someone dropped off at my house. That was my new clothes. And I remember closing my eyes and thinking of future self and thinking of someone about 30, successful, with a husband that adores me and probably with a family. So my exact life right now. Wow. Like, I kid you not, like I literally am living the life that I once dreamed about. And yet I catch myself feeling discontent and feeling like I'm striving. And so it's been really convicting to, you know, to be, to honor like my younger self, like you are living the dream that she thought of. Huh? Yeah. So I've really been jamming on that. And another thing is I've, I'm the person that gets really sad during holidays. You know, I love holidays. I love Thanksgiving. And I think Christmas is so fun, but like, I, I like, I get to it and I just, I feel so antsy. I want it to be over with. And I've always been frustrated by that. Like 
why, like once I had the thing that I've been wanting, like, why does it feel so hard to sit in it? And why am I wanting to yes. run from it? Is, is yes. am I moving the goalpost? Right. I mean, my greatest fear is that there is no there there. You know, you keep chasing the thing and then you get the thing and realize there is no thing. And so I think this message is, it's, I'm so happy for my ability to take a picture on my phone because if you looked at the things that I take pictures of, it's like the perfect bowl of peanut butter with apple slices sticking in it. <laughs> like the, it's like the tiny pleasures of life. I always forget to take pictures when we're all dressed up and going to a place. Me too. Right? Yeah. It's always the scout has on bears underwear and a birthday hat from a week ago and it's normal life. And all of a sudden it, it flashes in front of me Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this simple magic every day. And so I think what it does is that starts to, it builds your muscle. It builds your muscle when you're like, even if I don't get the thing, I'm already in the thing. I'm already here. And of course, after I wrote that, I'd felt like I'd had a baby. And then I started to realize that message was all around me. It was everywhere. I looked and people were saying it's so much easier and simpler. One of the things that I read was just an Insta quote, you know, and it said, um, until you realize that happiness is not out there somewhere, it will never be where you are. Mm. And I feel like there's so much truth in that. I feel like as soon as we can realize that what we have right now is it's actually the antidote to what we're so scared of, which is what if we don't meet our goals? What if we don't hit the numbers? What if we don't do the thing? What if all the things that people say, you should do this thing? What if they just die inside me? I personally feel so grateful for my ability to be happy and content in a lot of situations when I should actually, Leah, be more ambitious. I should probably push myself more. I should demand more myself. But um, yeah, I think even like in the pace of this business, I'm that girl that's like, if I have a new baby, I'm definitely going to be laying on my bed looking at that baby for a lot of months and I'm not going to be doing anything else. And so um, I just feel like I have hard parameters. That's not to say that I don't at the same time think like, oh, I should be hustling more. But when you can listen to your own happy muscle and know, man, I'm, I am juicing this life right now. I'm juicing the good out of it. And I'm not going to let other people uh, somehow make me feel like I should be doing more. I feel like it's the secret to something. Mm. I feel like it's just like the beginning of being on the right, like being in the right headspace. So I guess it's always a, sometimes it is easier. Sometimes it's harder, but always, I mean, I have enough people in my life that have their struggles are so intense. They're always at children's hospital. Yes. I mean, always. And I feel like I've been, I'm a, an empath. Like that word is so overused, I'm sure. But like what I consider that to mean is that it doesn't matter if it's not happening to me, if it's happening to somebody somewhere and I know about it, it's suddenly my problem. 
Like totally. I can just carry that so easily and it can be a gift, but it is also like a curse. And so it's a heavy a, burden to bear for sure. Yes. And you know, when people say like, I just, I can't imagine da, 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 da. You know, any, if you hear somebody like they read something or they hear something about a trauma, I can't imagine what it would be like to fill in the blank, lose a child, have a child be sick, be this sick, what, have your house burn up in a fire, whatever the thing is that you're just like, I can't imagine that. Like what that really means is you can absolutely imagine it Mm. and it's your worst nightmare and you don't want anything to do with that, you know? And so I'm like that person who I'm constantly sorting out. I feel like after I had two babies and went through a significant enough health, like punch to the gut between my thyroid, anxiety, that whole bucket of months, years, honestly. Um, I feel like the thing that I came out, the gold I came out with on the other side is the ability to distinguish between a problem and a hypothetical problem. And I can just like listen to the problems in my head and now I can assign it a category. Like that's actually not a problem. That's a hypothetical problem. And that helps me so much. Even when I listen to other people that are maybe on my team or in my life and they're telling me their problems, I have no issue saying, girl, that's not a problem. There's people at children's right now. That's a hypothetical problem. Very good. Yes. Very good. So that is, that's, a, that's a way to flex your happy muscle right there. And it's not, just to be clear, it's not about this simple, oh, I'm so glad that that's them and not me. It's something that I've dodged. I'm going to mm-hmm. stay in my lane. There is a huge amount of responsibility that we have to hold hands, reach across the aisle with people that are struggling in whatever way. Um, You don't keep your happy muscles strong by trying to stay immune to problems. Not what I'm saying. It's just how you assign value to what's really wrong. If you're really comfortable getting stuff done in the middle of crisis, I'm sure that when you want to be productive, it feels like you need to turn up the heat in every area. But what if it was easier than that? What if it didn't have to be that kind of a struggle? I mean, I remember going to a yoga session like a few years ago and it felt like real yoga, not like Americanized, like P90X yoga. And I remember her saying, "Um, I just want to ask you a question for you to think about while we're doing this practice. And the question was, what would make all of this easier? And she didn't mean yoga. She meant life. And it hit me like sideways. I was just like, "Mm mm-mm. Because that just felt very contrary to my mind. But it was awesome because I thought, that's a new thought. It's fun to be 37 and have a new thought. (laughs) They're not common. And it's easy to be unimpressed. I hate that about adulthood. I just want to be like, look at your kitchen. You put out cheese. I love this day. You know, like I want to be that person. So I just thought, that's right. What if it was all easier? What would make it all easier is a better question because then you're asking some, you're drilling down on some really important things. Anyway. So I've recently started yoga this year because, you know, I was brought up that if you do yoga, you're going to hell. (laughs) 
and you're going to let that Hindu spirit jump on you. That's right. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> you know. Anyway, yeah. And and what is, for me, the answer to your question is let go. Mm-hmm. What's the answer to that question for you? Probably just not thinking it has to be hard. Okay. Like, cause I would imagine anything that is going to like, it's just very contrary to that, that message. Like, you know, don't bemoan the regret. Don't, don't be sorry for the results that you're not getting because the work you haven't done. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you hustle, you're going to earn. Mm-hmm. And if you, I mean, Leah, all the things, if you want to have something you never had, you got to do something you never done. Like just that message comes at us full throttle. I seriously have to filter the amount of hustle messages that I get because I find them to be grossly counterproductive. They do not make me hustle. They make me they, feel guilty. They make <laughs> you want to hide. They make me want to get back in bed. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I I have to really like for every like, you know, splash of hustle message, I need a whole bunch more messages that are about how great is it that you have two sets of sheets for your bed? How special is that? How amazing is it that if you don't do laundry for three days, everybody in your house still has 16 outfits? How amazing is it that someone invented gutters? Because our basement (laughs) is not flooded. Like, you can get crazy childlike with this thinking. And it is so freeing. Like, back to my, like, misogynistic comedian friend, Louis C.K., are you sitting in a plane in the sky? Are you sitting in a chair in the air? Like, why was your flight bad? I love that message. It's just like, he's like, if you tell somebody you had a bad flight in this country, that's a story. They will like stop washing the dishes to turn around, put their towel down. You taxied for how long? And he's like, did you sit in a chair in the sky? Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's so, it's full of so many F-bombs. You probably shouldn't even Google it if you're offended by that sort of thing. But seriously, it's like, I love this line of thinking. I think it saves us from our crazy Instagram gospel. It's totally saving me. And, you know, and that has come from just like looking at my children and saying like, I don't necessarily want them to have to do the kind of reworking of patterns that I am. Yeah. You know, so like what would shift that? Because I'm all about changing patterns right now. Mm-hmm. And so like a great example is right now it's October and the geese are flying by and and we, where our home is, apparently is near our, and near our route. Okay. For the geese. It's like a runway. It's a landing place. It is. I don't know why. Like they will come from the south and go like north. And then it's like they have a meeting. And then they, then we see them come back with double the amount. Oh my gosh. And so my children and I, like we, I make it a thing. Like, (gasps) (laughs) I say they're gathering the cousins. Coming in from the Northwest. Yes, they are. And then like 30 minutes later, like on the dot. Here they come, like double the amount. I said, and we like send them off. We're like sending them good wishes. Have a great time on vacation. 
you know, I love year. it. Oh we, my gosh. Yes. It's, it's so fun. And like, just, you know, it sounds so simple and so quaint, but like, I love flowers, but I've taken it like taken really for granted the fact that not everyone loves flowers and not everyone knows about them. And so I'm trying to teach my children to love flowers. And so we will literally be on our hands and knees at the flowers in the garden. Just like I'm trying to instill wonder. And I feel like as I'm helping them learn wonder, I'm learning it myself. Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of the um, ancient story of Job. I guess chronologically, Job should be like the first book in the biblical canon. Yes. And there's like a lot of tragedy and suffering and then questioning of God and his response is kind of like to launch into a episode of animal planet. Like, have you considered the winged bird and the, it's just like so vivid with all of this nature imagery. Yes. (laughs) Like lift you out of your center of gravity to think about the, the geese landing and how it's some version of a goose airport near your house. They have a caucus, they have a summit, mm-hmm. and then they go. Mm-hmm. It's magical. I was going to say one thing about like talking about um, just the amount of pressure, the inability to find happy, that like script that keeps going back to the this is hard because um, one of the things that you've done that I've watched from afar that probably feels like everything gets worse before it gets better. It's like cleaning out your drawers when you decide you're going to do that, your whole house you know, you don't maintain the dishes, you don't maintain the laundry. Instead, you make a bigger mess because ultimately, you know, I'm going to have a, a really peaceful home from the inside out. I feel like you've done, you have done the hard work of putting yourself into therapy and treating that like not the side note, not like the thing you grab as the ship is going down, but something that's worthy of a full plate and time and money. Oh my gosh. And just the effort of it, because it's just like cleaning out your drawers, you Mm -hmm. know, you're making a huge mess. You know, you walk in, the hairbrush is in the kitchen, the cereal bowl is in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Nothing is where it's supposed to be. Things aren't playing nice. Things aren't staying put. Boundaries are very watery. It's just very disorienting to enter that space. And Mm -hmm. you can take easy flack for it from people that think down you can seriously doubt yourself. Like, is this even worthy? Mm-hmm. So I think it's so admirable that what I know from afar even is that like what you're, do- what you're doing is you're rebranding what it means to take care of yourself. And you're rewriting the story for your kids and for your friends that have issues, but they don't really, they think therapy is for weak people or people that are hanging by a thread. And it's wonderful because what if you had the tools to go through life better instead of in survival mode? So I love it. Thanks so much. That means a lot. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's a daily thing. And I kind of go in these cycles. I mean, I go in these cycles of 
and I, and this is one thing I'm trying to do better about, like, I feel so all or nothing. Like I, it, it's a struggle to like really get into the deep, dark places that I need mm-hmm. to clean out the drawers of because yes. it is so hard. And I, I feel like I can only go down for a little bit yes. and then I got to come up for air right. and find a little bit more balance. And then I take another breath and then mm-hmm. I go back down. Yes. But I am doing it for my children. That's awesome. Because I don't, um, <laughs> hmm. I, I, I know I'll send them to therapy for something. <laughs> that will be my fault. But yeah. I'm oh, I be, know. Yeah. I mean, my classic, all my good liners come from Jacqueline. She's, she's my whole paycheck girl. She also said, <laughs> anytime I do something wrong with my kids, I just plug their therapy jar. I have a big picture of my face pasted on it so that when they take it to their therapist, she knows exactly who I am. Like, yes, that's it right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. Th- thanks for saying that. You know, it oh, sometimes, oh. I don't know. I have, I know I'm, I'm going to write a book. You might have to be my ghost writer. Sure. I love that idea. All right, girl. Um, I always ask my guests this uh, before we head out. Thank you. Okay. First off, thank you so much for being on here. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great. I think I'm going to have to have you again because I think we just have so many great things we can talk about. We have a lot. We did even talk about all the things that have happened to me in the woods. Yeah. So, Will you just agree to come back and talk about the time? All right. Yeah, here's we'll the thing, Betsy. To talk about the Appalachian Trail. And here's the thing that we do have in common is we both like to take walks. I like to take a 15-minute walk in a loop around my neighborhood, and you like to take six-month walks. <laughs> that's true Leah I don't like it I did it yeah we definitely need to I hear said, about that I'm never walking anywhere again <laughs> is kind of like my attitude when I came up that Fletcher trail which is funny because a lot of people were like how can I get on another trail as soon as possible let me pick another 3,000 mile trail in the west coast and go hike that so now I just watch those people on Instagram all right girl so what have you listened to, read, or watched lately that's been impactful or that you loved? Or that was fun? Um, the best thing is a 59-second clip on Will Smith's Instagram about fear. Okay. I'll link that up. He tells, okay. He tells a story about his dad um, just basically being a badass and wielding off the bad guys. And he says there's nothing worse than walking around scared. And it was his like aha moment that um, he was like, it's just a powerful, complete rejection of fear. So when I read it, it just like something shifted on the inside. Like there's nothing worse than walking around afraid of a thing. So mm, that's awesome. I keep going back to it. Cool. Yeah. What oil are you constantly reaching for at the moment? I'm constantly reaching for this blend that Chris LaRose made me, and it has patchouli, frankincense, and ylang-ylang in it, and all these precious little rocks. Do you see that? 
Oh, so that's precious. pretty. I know. It's just really pretty. And it smells like a dream. I love things that have that strong, earthy side and a nice floral note. So this is the one. It changes. The smell of it changes on your body throughout the day. It's delish. You know, one of my favorite smells is vetiver on Peter. Really? I put, I put vetiver just a little, I don't put it on him very often because normally serenity is like his sleep oil. Yeah. But last night I did and I was reminded this morning, I gave him a big hug and I was like, oh my. I know. It's like baby it's, and earth. It stays on their PJs. I know. Baby and I earth. Mean, yes. It is the best smell because that's that um that smell stays on their PJs forever. Like you can take them out of the drawer and it's and wonderful. Smell them. It's wonderful. All right, girl. If you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what would you tell her? Oh. I feel like I have a dismal answer for this question. Like there is no wrong answer. Tell what can I ever tell myself that would mean anything? And would I know that it was my future self talking to me? Because I feel like that might be a little freaky. I would hate to know the future. Well, what would I be able to actually change or edit that I would hate to see go? I wouldn't want to edit out the hard stuff because I wouldn't want to spare myself difficulty because I am so grateful for the difficulty. So I wouldn't want to edit that out. Um, Maybe, have you ever had a day so good that you wish, I wish I could relive that day. They're usually not like the big days. It's usually not like your wedding day or Mm -hmm. the Christmas that you got your bicycle. Those are complex days filled with just as much bitter as sweet. You know, um, I would, I would have, and have you ever had a memory that you forgot to rehab? Like someone jogs your memory yes, and you remember a thing that you did or a place that you went and it was so good. And it's almost like it didn't happen because you, if you never remember it again, what was it? So maybe I would love to have like a little like buzzer to say like, this is going to be a good day. So like live it and relive it and relive it and remember it because you're going to want to write that into the code of memory. Betsy, thank you so much for being on here. Um, Can you let the folks know how they can find you after this? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at Betsy Ashbrook. All right. I'll put it on there. All right. That's today's episode. Wasn't it awesome to hear from Betsy? I'm definitely going to have her back on because we have a lot more to talk about. Before we leave today, please click the subscribe button and head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. I'd be so appreciative. Be sure to send this or another episode to a friend and find me on Instagram at Small Queendom. That's all for now. Bye.